one pitcher, one catcher. This is the Max Level Podcast. Welcome home. For the uninitiated, Max Level is a weekly breakfast powwow brought to you by RPGera.com. I'm your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this morning, he is the co-host of Blood and Destroyers, an all-elite wrestling podcast every single Monday. It is Sev. Brian, that was very cheating. Uh, my meeting for you this week. It's uh, very topical because it's just come on Game Pass. We're going with turning Brian commits sevivation. <laughs> That's the first time you've used a little bit of your face in a meme. Oh no, it's all you. Oh, you, you mean? Someone, oh, you mean the one on the bottom is not meant to be you? No, no, that's I turned your hair into leaves, so that's why it's all stuck up. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good oh, one. Uh, I'll start to add me in. Turn up Brian, commit sev evasion. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Fun game, too. Go check it out if you haven't played it before. Uh, special shout out to Acom's Laser for a majority of the music you'll hear today during the show. Go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Please do us a favor if you'd be so kind. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. You can head on over there, check out our tiers, see what we're doing. If you feel inclined, you can toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen as the episode as the episodes upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zenku. Thank you guys both so so much. Uh, Sev, as I stumble our way into what's new with you this week, we have a, a very sports-centric what's new with you. Uh, before we circle back around to talking some WWE 2K22 after the updates have hit, I know it's been a while since you and I have visited that game, but we will come back to it here mm-hmm. in, in just a few moments. I want to kick things off and discuss this week MLB The Show 22 which actually released earlier this month. Um, It is available via Xbox Game Pass once again, just like 21 was last year. So I am playing it via Xbox Game Pass. And I'm going to I'm going to be honest, man. I struggled at first finding the same amount of enjoyment that I found out of MLB The Show 21 last year. And I think a lot of that is because it had been several years since I had played a show game. So, you know, there was a ton of new stuff for me and the presentation really blew me away. And I just had a lot of fun with it last year, so much so that I ran through multiple road to the shows with multiple players in multiple positions. And I expected that I was going to do the same with the show 22 i expected i was going to get it there and have a blast just wherever i jumped in and so far that hasn't been the case so i initially started out with a character uh it was the one that i always make jacob cato and he was a left fielder and i got really bored playing in the outfield pretty quickly Because most of the opportunities that the game was given me to play, it was either just, you know, running to catch a ball, which most of the time is the outfield anyway, or just running back to the wall as I watched home runs soar over my head that I could do nothing about. So (laughs) for, for me starting out, I think left field was a bad choice and I just wasn't having fun. So I started another player by the name of Ricky Starks. Who was, a cl- who was a closing pitcher. 
And I got through probably the summer with that character. I was actually having somewhat fun with him and the games were moving pretty quickly because as a closing pitcher, you only come in in like the eighth or ninth inning anyway when your team is winning and just try to maintain the lead through the end of the game. So those appearances were pretty quick, but... I was drafted, and I said I wanted to go to a team that needed help, so I was drafted to the Kansas City Royals, who are ranked pretty poorly in MLB The Show 22, and I just wasn't having fun with the amount of not playing, because there would be like several games in a row, five, six, sometimes a full week, where my team was just losing and I wasn't making any appearances. So I wasn't really getting upgrades. I wasn't really progressing my character too much. And I was kind of stuck on a bad team as a good player, which happens, right? Like that happens in sports all the time. But I wasn't having fun. So I canceled him out and I started a third character. This guy is named Tyler Black. Shout out to Seth Rollins. And he is a two-way player. He uh, he is a starting pitcher. And a shortstop. So in 21, MLB The Show 21, they introduced the ability to play as a two-way player, kind of like Shohei Otani on the Los Angeles Angels, where he is a starting pitcher and also a a fielder. Um, You can do that in MLB The Show. So I did that last year for a bit, but I didn't focus on it much. This year, I think I'm going to focus on it because they've made some more updates to it, and it actually is a lot of fun. Um, you know, being able to play both sides of the field, right? As a pitcher and as a, as a fielder. So I think I might end up sticking with this character and I just had him randomly generated. I didn't actually put much time into the way he looks. So I just had, you know, the game kind of decide how he was going to look and then I named him whatever, but I'm playing on the farm system, like the minor league system for the Oakland athletics, which are ranked really high in this game. So I said at the start, I wanted to go to a team that was currently viewed as a strong contender because I wanted to have more opportunities to play, but also feel like I was doing well as well. So I do think I'm going to enjoy this character the most out of everybody that I've started so far. Um, You know, being a, a starting pitcher, it does ask you the archetype that you want to focus on. And I chose Nuxy, which is the only way that you're able to unlock the knuckleball in the game. And that's now my main pitch for this character. And the knuckleball is so unpredictable and it's kind of fun to throw. Like I can throw it right down the middle of the plate, but on the way to the, to the catcher, it's like kind of going in circles and going up above the strike zone and below the strike zone. And like, it always manages to find its way back some usually into the strike zone. So that way, you know, the, the, people that are up to the to the plate to bat like it's a hard pitch to hit in real life so it's kind of cool that they focused on it in the game and actually have a pitch like that to where you have to specialize in it because again it's such a unique pitch and one that's kind of hard to throw not too many pitchers out there actually use a knuckleball so I'm kind of focusing on that as my as my special ability I guess for a pitcher 
Um, and because I'm, you know, playing both sides of the field, the way the starting rotations work, they usually have five starting pitchers. I only have to pitch every fifth game, more or less. The games in between, when I'm not pitching, I'm either playing shortstop, which is the position that I'm, you know, choosing to specialize this character in, or I've noticed before I pitch, like the game before I, I'm scheduled to pitch and the game after I'm scheduled to pitch, I'm usually slotted in as the designated hitter just to give my character a breather. I like the way that's handled and I think it feels very realistic. So I, I am going to probably stick with this character and, and see how far I can get. So I know very little about baseball um, and I didn't I didn't realize you could kind of um, sort of lock yourself into like a very limited play style of, as you said, when you said you started as the left field, like all you really did was catch or watch home runs go over your head. Like, that baffles me as to why anyone would actually put himself in that position if you can't play the rest of the match, as it were. But I'm so that's, about- that's the way it is for the show, like Road to the Show. You You create a character and you are just playing that character. Right, okay, yeah. But what I, what's intriguing me is this knuckleball. Like, I've not heard of this before, but I've seen some uh, comedy baseball uh, films before. It's a knuckleball, like, when they throw it and the ball goes, like, up and down and around and around, and it's oh, yeah. really comedic. Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely it, dude. Is that a real thing? That's a real Could thing, yeah. throw balls that go up and down. <laughs> yes, that is a really? real thing. A knuckleball wow. is a baseball pitch thrown to minimize the spin of the ball in flight, causing an erratic, unpredictable motion as it goes toward the plate. <laughs> That's how Wikipedia describes it. <laughs> but does it actually elevate elevate and escalate? It does. It moves all wow. around. It moves all right. around. Well, we have to start this podcast so I can go and have a look at what this thing is. Yeah, you need to check it out. Like I said, there's not um there's not a ton of pitchers that actually have mastered the the knuckleball throughout the years. Like there is there is even a movie Master called Knuckleball. Right? There's even a movie called Knuckleball that that came out like in, in 2011 or 2012. Um but yeah I'm just looking on Wikipedia the list of pitchers that use the knuckleball is it fits on one page. And that's since the MLB debuted up through now. It all fits on one page. Okay. This is like basically a superpower. It can be. It can be. It's very hard to hit. Very erratic, right? So if you don't if you don't master it the way you throw it, like you could throw a lot of walks and a lot of balls. But if you actually if you okay. can master the pitch, it's it's a really hard thing to hit. They actually uh they have a knuckleball version in cricket, actually. Looking at this. Maybe you're more familiar with the uh the knuckleball in cricket. Probably not. No, I don't really follow cricket. Um I am watching some uh, some knuckleballs. Uh, I should be doing this podcast, really. Yeah, I've gone to watching highlights of knuckleballs. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a fun crazy. thing. It's a fun thing. And it's uh, like I only have four pitches that I'm currently kind of specializing in as this pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, a knuckleball, a curveball, a changeup, and a fastball. And I throw the knuckleball 90% of the time. It's yeah. a very slow pitch. It only it only moves like 60 to 70 miles per hour. It's a very slow pitch when compared to like a fastball that, you know, flies in it between, you know, 95 and 105 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. The, the knuckleball, it, it's very slow, but it's it's unpredictable movement and just like the way that it's all over the place. It makes it hard to hit. And I, it's cool that they were able to capture that in the game and just kind of watching it as it goes toward the plate and just moving all around. It's fun to see. It's fun to see. <laughs> um, I'm trying to make him when he's up 
like as a batter and playing as as a shortstop or a designated hitter i'm trying to level up his power because i don't make a ton of plate appearances so when i do i want to hit home runs so that's what that's what i've been working on in terms of my batting style but i am enjoying this player and i think i will stick with him and see how far i can take him into the mlb at this point hopefully i'll get promoted to the triple a scene and then the mlb before the end of my first season like i did in mlb the show 21 but if it takes a year or two i think i'd have fun building this character up as well I did put some time into uh, the franchise mode, which I did not put into MLB The Show 21 any time into franchise mode. So I did jump into the franchise mode here. I started out with the, you know, Cleveland Guardians, formerly Cleveland Indians, and um, I'm trying to take them all the way to the World Series by just managing it and not playing the games. So, like, I've traded for a few players to help their roster. Um, You know, I've kind of moved some people around and through the, you know, the minor league system up to the major leagues. And basically, for a game, you know, you can go in and and do what's called, like, full manage mode. So each time your pitcher is up, you just tell him what to do, right? Like... What do you do in this one? Pitch, like throw throw for a walk. Like, what are you doing? And I just, you know, pitch. And then it'll do like the entire sequence. And it tells me like if the batter would have hit it or not. Like it's a very simulation style thing. When my players are up to bat, I just say swing, um, you know, different types of swings, whatever. And it just does something based on the option that I choose. So it's a much quicker way to get through the games, but still feel like you have some control as if I was actually the manager of the team telling these guys what to do each time. It's kind of fun. That's probably the mode I've spent the most time in so far. So with the, the swing and the pitch stuff, is that all like R and G? It is It options? is based on the stats of your of the batter and the pitcher. Yeah, it's based on the stats. Right, basically okay. like a roll of the dice that happens that you don't see that, that basically just picks what happens. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So you're someone in the Discord, everyone should see, like you're big into your fantasy sports, aren't you? I am. I'm in seven ML, uh, seven fantasy baseball leagues this season. Yeah, I'm big <laughs> into fantasy sports. But mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say, I you were say one of each sport, but yeah, you said seven baseball leagues. Fair enough. Um, how does this compare to like uh, playing fantasy leagues? Is it is it still really fun, or do you find it uh, better now? More people, more people. It's more fun if you have you know other players like kind of going against you for free agency or trades or even just you know like other human minds as opposed to just an ai controlled thing but the franchise mode the way i'm playing it does very much remind me of why i like fantasy sports so much like when i first started out i even attempted to do like a complete fantasy draft but it got boring because there's 32 teams and you know it was taking forever so i just decided to use the current rosters and i did make a few trades with some of the guys on the guardians with other guy you know guys that i knew i could trade for pretty easily um on other teams So it reminds me a lot of fantasy baseball and just like, you know, the stats, because that's what I like about fantasy baseball so much is the strategy and the stats involved. Like so many people go after the top players, but a lot of times the top players don't score consistently high. Like they might have a couple breakout games and like amazing games throughout the year. 
but there are other players that aren't ranked as high that tend to score more, especially with the way the individual leagues are set up. So I always pay attention to like, you know, who's getting the most amount of points based on the way the leagues are set up. And I don't play any favorites. Like I will drop the top rated dude if he's not doing well for someone that's, you know, just breaking out and doing amazing. Like I like the strategy and the stat and in the, and the stats behind all of that. That's what appeals to all fantasy sports to me. Like I'm in multiple of every sport. Like I think for football, I was in five or six fantasy leagues, basketball. I was in four baseball this year. Like I said, I'm in seven and hockey. I'm usually in like two or three. Like I'm just really into fantasy sports. Right. So your, your analogy of how you're using your players, um, am I wrong? Have you ever seen Moneyball? I have seen Moneyball. <laughs> <laughs> is that the strategy you're going with? Like, you don't need the best players, but if your average of players can earn the same amount of points or better, then you're essentially yeah, that's doing, 100% doing it, the dude. same thing. With a, that's 100% uh, it. See, I've seen Moneyball. I get what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Smart, Brad Pitt smart. nailed it. Brad Pitt nailed it, dude. Good. That's what Good you got to do. That's what you got to do. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm having fun with the show now. Hopefully it'll stick around. I don't think I'm going to put nearly as much time into it this year as I did last year. I don't think it has um, a strong of a lasting appeal. I think a lot of that was because I hadn't played a show in so long. Now that I put so much time into it last year, it does feel more the same to me. So unless next year they completely revamp something else, uh, again, I'll probably play it, but I'm not going to put nearly as much time into it moving forward as I did with last year's version. But let's jump to a little uh, WWE 2K22. It's been several weeks since you and I sat down and talked about that. Last time we did, we went over like some of the showcase mode with Rey Mysterio. We went through some of the creation stuff, but we didn't really talk too heavily on my GM mode and the universe mode. And I know you still haven't put a ton, a ton of time into my GM mode, but I know you've been putting a ton of time into universe mode, correct? So I finished the showcase mode and I've almost finished my rise. Um, I've dabbled a little into universe mode, but I haven't actually touched my GM at this point. Oh, I thought you put more time in universe. Okay, that's fine. Um, but what do you think of my rise? Because I stopped after I got promoted from, from NXT. Yeah, see, I've been promoted. Uh, the things you said, I went for I went for the biggest guy when you trade in module and got access to all three, but then decided that I'd rather go through NXT and work my way up. Um, so I've been in NXT. I think I'm at the end of like the SmackDown run now because you can go into uh, the My Stories thing and see that there are 26 stories for SmackDown. Um, half of them are locked with red faces, meaning that you have to be a heel to access these. Correct. Um, and then the others are open for like green faces or no faces at all. Um, so I know I've almost, I've stayed true face as much as I can uh, throughout the whole thing. And I know that my time in SmackDown is coming up so I'm going to be going on to war and then I've got like 20 odd storylines and then I finish my rise um, it's it's alright it's a nice different pace from what we previously had I think I prefer what we previously had what we previously had was just like a story that led you all through whereas my rise this time much very much feels like you're just playing side quests like there's no actual through story you just you just a character and you've got side quests you just pick another side quest do another run, random bunch of battles and then you go back and then you do the same thing over. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, the combat's pretty good. Um, the My Rise isn't really doing much for me, to be honest. And that's that's a big reason why I stopped playing My Rise, because it wasn't so 
coherent of a story as opposed to it just being like a ton of individual smaller stories wrapped up into one like show more or less. And and I get that like the weekly TV programming is kind of like that too, but for a video game it feels more fun to have a complete story being told to you as opposed to just, you know, picking and choosing, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna do this mission now, and I'll, I'll take on these guys, and then when I'm done with that, I guess I'll do this. You know, that's, that's kind of boring. Yeah, see, I did, do, I did do one mission, and then I come out of it, and it's like, you've turned heel. And I was like, no, I didn't turn heel. I didn't do anything wrong in that match. Like, and then I got um, emails from Adam Pierce being like, maybe you should turn face, like being heel all the time is boring. It's like, no, I've been heel for like a day. <laughs> you said I've been heel for like a day. Maybe I should turn face. So I was like, yeah, turn face. And now I get emails of being like, oh, maybe you should turn heel, like, shouldn't stay face all the time. So now I've been doing what I want to do. But yeah, <laughs> I made my character, he's a striker, um, and most of his moves aim for the head. So, like, the matches are over pretty quickly. Turn that head red and hit the finisher, one, two, three. I think I spend more time sat in um, loading screens than I do in matches. Yeah, some of the matches, especially once you get a bit leveled up and you progress your character, they, they do end pretty quickly. There's not a ton of strategy involved. Um, I have been jumping back into my GM mode quite a bit since the most recent update this past week. I, I've played it a few times over the past week, actually. Uh, they did expand the normal and hard difficulties finally because before, you know, in, in my GM mode, you were kind of locked to just three matches and three and two segments that you were allowed to book for each match. Now on normal and hard, your weekly shows have five matches, three segments, which feels more realistic and allows you to actually expand your rosters in my GM mode and just actually have more fun. So does that mean does it come with a higher budget then? It does not. So does that mean your characters are stretched out more? Does it add a new element of strategy to it? It adds a new element of strategy and you do have to spend, you know, money on lesser contracts, right? So you have to... Right. The, the, the strategy is you want to grab a few big contracts and a few big names, but then the rest of your roster, like, you know, up through the rest of your draft picks, you want to focus on guys and girls that have contracts of, like, anywhere from, like, 70000 to 130000 or 150000 or something like that, just so that way, you know, you're not spending all of your money on a few top talents, but that way you can flesh out mm -hmm. your roster and start building up some of those lower popular wrestlers that you're signing. And then once you get into the flow of the first few shows, you'll start seeing some of the bigger name free agents pop up for like a contract of 30,000 or 40,000 for like five weeks or 10 weeks or something like that. And those are where you jump in on those guys at that point. Because they're going to be temporary, but you could use them for like a storyline or two for a couple pay-per-views. I see, I see. Interesting. And the, the lower guys that you sign, can you build them up to be big talents? Or is it kind of... Absolutely you do, yeah. Through, yeah. Their, pop, through their popularity and stuff, yeah. Like, as you put them in uh, in-ring promos, either, you know, doing charity work to get more fans or to get more money or just in, like, high-profile feuds, their popularity will slowly increase to where, you know, someone that, uh, I, I think it's uh, Dakota Kai when you sign her she's somewhere in like the 40s or 50s in terms of popularity but I've built her up into mm -hmm. like the mid 70s at this point she's one of the more popular girls I have on my roster right now it's, it's, I'm fine with Dakota Kai. yeah and, and it's, it's kind of cool that you're able to like kind of 
build them up, um, increase their stats to where, you know, their stamina lasts longer. They're better on the mic than when they first started. Like seeing that progression is kind of cool. And again, the fact that you have more slots now in normal and hard, because I was playing on normal before. So um, I actually completely restarted my GM mode with that in mind because I still had the roster that I had when I only had, you know, spots for three matches and two segments. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted something fresh and I could have just, you know, spent the money that I've built up, but I decided to start fresh and, and do something with the update in mind. They also added uh, a proper NXT 2.0 arena in this update as well. And I noticed they got they rid of a lot of like some of the creation stuff as well that was out there. They got, they got rid of creation stuff as in like community creations. Mine disappeared. I, th- I swear I had an NXT 2.0 arena downloaded and it's not on my list anymore. Okay, okay. That's interesting. A- unless I somehow deleted it by mistake, I swear I had that arena downloaded when the game first came out and it's not on my list anymore. <laughs> I've noticed all my AEW arenas have a have a yellow, like a, a yellow caution sign on them as well and I don't know what that means. A yellow caution sign? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I don't know what that means either. Yeah, maybe like licensing or something. Caution should be stuck. That's what I was thinking. Terms of service or something. That's what I was thinking. I haven't tried using any of them since the update, but I noticed like in my list when I was looking for the NXT 2.0 arena, most not now not all of my AEW arenas, but most of my AEW arenas had that yellow caution sign on them. So I don't know what that actually signifies. I've still not jumped into universe mode though. No, see, I dabbled a bit very very briefly. I have everything downloaded I want for my universe mode. I have all my AEW shows downloaded, all the AEW titles, and the majority of the AEW roster is downloaded to my game because I was going to do an AEW universe. I just, I haven't cared. With with the AEW yeah. game coming, you know, getting closer and closer, I'm almost just content waiting for that at this point. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think I had my, not had my fill of this game, but I've had enough of this game. Right, the My Rise thing, I've kind of got a grip of what's here and what's what's, what's available. Um, I will wait a bit longer to see if they add anything more than IGF. I know they did add the, I was told they did add the uh, tag team titles in as well. They did, yep. That is a possibility now too. That's pretty interesting. Um, so it's, it's nice to see that they're, they're updating it and it's not just a, this is what we have for this year. Next year we'll come out with more expansive thing. But hopefully they keep building on it. When it gets a bit more robust, then I'll jump in it and give it a proper go. Um, but as for, the, as for the universe mode, I kind of just, I made my rosters, I made my shows. It's got a nice thing where you can, you can actually this year put people in specific divisions. So you can make your rankings for the tag division, you make your ranking for your X division and your heavyweight division, that sort of stuff, which is really nice. So I, I messed around that stuff that I never actually clicked go so I haven't simulated or played a centuries yet yeah I don't know that I will actually mess with universe mode much I think for me I probably will still jump back into 2K22 every so often, but it's just going to be messing around with my GM mode until the AEW game comes out, Fight Forever. Once that comes out, I probably won't ever return back to WWE 2K22. Yeah, as long as it's good. If, uh, Hopefully it's good. It seems promising. It seems promising. So hopefully it turns out good. But I think that's enough on, on 2K22. I think that's enough for what's new with you. So let's jump into a little Sean Waltman lightning round. One, two, 
Seb, we have a couple things to talk about here. A couple big things toward the end. Uh, this should be a fun lightning round to get through. We have a ton of release dates that got confirmed over the past week. So we'll put 10 minutes on the clock as we usually do. The lightning round begins right now. New Microsoft Game Pass editions are rolling in for the end of April. Available last week were F1 2021, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered, and Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion, or Turnip Brian Commits Sev Evasion. Available the day this podcast posts on Tuesday are Seven Days to Die and Research and Destroy. And then this Thursday, Bug Snacks and Unsold will be available on Game Pass. Pretty good lineup. Fantastic. Bug Snacks and Unsold we saw at New Game Expo. And that looked pretty good. Um, Turn it, boy. Yeah, great, a great ad. Great week. Yeah, not a bad week for Game Pass. I'm excited to check out Unsold. I really am. Mm-hmm. Me too. Brumar Games has announced Sword of the Necro- Necromancer Revenant, a sequel to Sword of the Necromancer for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. A release date was not revealed. Sword of the Necromancer Revenant is a third-person action RPG with dungeon crawler sections. Revive your enemies once again and make them fight alongside you with a completely renewed battle and companion system. Travel the continent restore the sacred city of Uda to its former glory and vanquish the ominous threat that looms over the world. Gather the powers of the revenants, forgotten heroes of old times, and create a little army of the dead to defeat the necromancer once and for all. Did you ever play the original Sword of the Necromancer when it came out like a year or two ago? I didn't. I remember looking at it on the eShop and I get I keep it's I keep getting it mixed up with there's the other one that's the dancey one, isn't it? Crypt Crypt of the Necrodancer. Crypt of the yeah. Necro- yeah, yep. so I keep yep. getting it confused with that. But no, I remember looking at Sword of the Necromancer on the eShop, uh, but I never actually picked it up. So it was one. it was something that I didn't get around to playing either, but it was something that I was always intrigued by. But I think I'm definitely intrigued by this sequel because it's an actual 3D action RPG, like an evolution of sort of what, what Sword of the Necromancer was. Kind of like the formula that I thought Yacht Club Games was going to follow with Shovel Knight, right? Like moving it through the generations. Yeah, yeah. That almost seems like what Grimorio of Games is doing here with sort of the Necromancer Revenant, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'll be checking this out, hopefully. I'll keep it on my radar. We'll see what it looks like when it releases. Publisher THQ Nordic and developer Nine Rocks Games have announced Way of the Hunter, an open-world hunting game for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series. A release date was not yet revealed. Players will take on the role of a seasoned hunter who has just taken over his grandfather's hunting cabin and the opportunity to proceed with the family tradition of selling high-quality game meat. A variety of biomes provide the player with a vast area of beautiful nature to explore. The hunter is challenged with observing animal tracks while carefully stalking and avoiding detection from the razor-sharp senses of his prey. Way of the Hunter's large selection of authentic hunting equipment and weapons, including licensed guns and scopes, are amplified by realistic handling of firearms and bullet physics. The game features two vast open-world hunting territories, one in the United States and one in Europe, each 55 square miles big, boasting its own simulated wildlife ecosystem. Co-op multiplayer mode allows players to venture out into awe-inspiring nature and share the thrill of the chase during their greatest hunting adventures. So back in the day, Sev, I used to be a big fan of like the hunting games that were released on the PC and I kind of fell out of them. Like I'm not a big fan of hunting in real life. I've never been hunting. I tend not to enjoy killing animals. I just don't like that. But I like hunting video games. They usually have really beautiful scenery, really beautiful worlds, and I'm excited to see what an open world hunting game that has co-op multiplayer will look like. This could be a big deal. 
Yeah, see, this all seems a little, a little mean in my book. Um, I'm not a massive fan of hunting in real life either. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't see the thrill in it in the games. Like, now I can accept it in stuff like Far Cry and Red Dead, where it's like a sort of a side project and it gets you upgrades and stuff. But uh, an entire game just based on shooting cute bunnies and deers and uh, <laughs> endangered wildlife just. I know there's sadness written all over it, and I'm not for it, Brian. I'm really not for it. You don't want to. You don't want to travel around the the European biome and hunt some animals with me. No, <laughs> unfortunately not. Right. First revealed back on May 22nd, 2019, Playdate, a new handheld video game system, officially released last week on April 18th for $179. Playdate is a familiar, but unlike, but unlike anything you've ever seen. It has a special black and white screen that's not backlit, but it is super reflective, and it looks way more amazing than you probably imagine. It also has a peppy little processor, a Wi-Fi, a Bluetooth coming soon, a surprisingly loud speaker, and when you're not using it, the screen doesn't turn off, it becomes a very nice low power clock is the truly unique bit. Playdate is just isn't just an empty system. Once you set up your Playdate, you'll you'll receive you'll start to receive two brand new games every week for twelve weeks. That's twenty four free games in lots of genres. Some are short, some are long. We love them all. Probably not. We have a great time <laughs> trying them. Absolutely. So you brought this to my attention. Are you are you going to be picking this up? See, the more and more I look into it, the more I think it's really cool. Um, there is a big uh, a big ability to like make your own games and put them on there like it's not a massively difficult I think you can download a program onto your PC and then just upload them pretty freely um, so I'm going to see wait and see how the community sort of like takes on that um, and if we start to get some really cool stuff I believe they're sold out until like next year I believe they sold out really quickly or the pre-orders did or something like that there's um, an interesting crank on the side of the system yeah yeah so you can use it to like scroll back and forth and up and down um, surprisingly there isn't actually a fishing game out on it yet which I thought like that should be um, that should be one of the first things that you do with the fishing game with a with a crank on the side but they had um did you spot that uh the PAX East Indie Showcase I posted in Discord the other day I saw you post it but I have not watched it Okay, so there was a there was a nice little game on there um, for Playdate, exclusive Playdate, and it was like a little uh, like a rooftop garden. So it was kind of like an RPG. Um, so you buy seeds and you grow you grow these little flowers on your rooftop garden. I think it works in not quite real time, but like a an extended sort of time scale. Um, and then you can sell your flowers to like upgrade stuff and plant new flowers, and it will look all really nice. I think it was just called flowers or something. Um, hmm. But yeah, yeah, there seems to be a lot of um, different genres. I've heard of like demon hunting games on there where you have to um, summon different demons to sort out people from your yearbook, um, which sounded quite funny. Um, and then there's there's a bunch of other stuff. Um, I've had a few notable people um, actually making games for this. So it's definitely something that people should be keeping. And the games all look like Game Boy style games. They look like Game Boy style games. Yeah, yeah. We did uh, we did cover it at the beginning, but it's not backlit. And I heard that is quite a bit of an issue for a lot of people. Um, as you know, as we, as we know, growing up, like if you had your Game Boy out um, and you were driving in the car and you went through a tunnel or the sun was too bright, you just weren't playing at that point. Right, you had you had to wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it looks like I'm not playing now. Um, and then your batteries would run out a bit later on, so you never get a good out of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is definitely something we should all be keeping our eye on. It seems like a nifty little thing. I think I will put it on my radar. I don't know if I'll ever pick it up, but it's it's something like I, I put it in the same 
realm of interest for me as the Steam Deck. Like, I have the Steam Deck pre-ordered, and if I have the money to pick it up whenever my time comes, whenever I think I'm, I've been kicked to Q3 or Q4 of 2022 for the Steam Deck. But okay. same thing with Playdate, right? Since it's sold out and probably not going to be available till next year, I will keep an eye on it and I'll kind of see what it looks like through its first year or so of existing, what the games look like, what the support looks like. And dude, it's 180 bucks. It's not that expensive. Like no. if it's doing well, I'll probably pick it up. We'll see. We'll see. Our last bit of news this week, Halo Infinite's roadmap for the rest of the year has been revealed by 343 Industries. Starting off is Season 2 Lone Wolves, which begins on May 3rd and runs all the way through November 7th. Lone Wolves is going to introduce narrative events, new maps, new modes, and more. Three new game modes being introduced include King of the Hill, a territory control mode called Land Grab, and a Battle Royale-esque mode called Last Spartan Standing. Two of the new maps include a Forerunner-styled arena map called Catalyst, while the other is an expansive big-team battle map known as Breaker. Uh, Unfortunately, however, two big features that fans have been waiting for, including the Forge and Campaign Co-op, appear to have been delayed until at least Season 3, which kicks off on November 8th. So, I mean, there's some things to be excited here, right? They There's definitely some content coming for Halo Infinite, but I feel like I feel like a lot of it doesn't matter at this point. Like, this game has lost so much steam since it came out that I don't know that people are going to be returning in droves to play when Season 2 kicks off on May 3rd. I don't think this is a big enough deal. Uh, so, I don't. Uh, so what's the Forge mode? Is that the Battle Royale? Forge is the, the creation mode where you create your own maps and create your own stuff. Uh, and okay. it's usually always been there for Halo. Like, right away, right at the start. Same thing with campaign co-op. Usually they're right away, right at the start. And now those are being delayed till about a year after they come out, after the game first came out. See, I can see the Forge bringing a few people back, uh, because that's pretty interesting. Community creations are always pretty cool. Um, But the fact that the campaign co-op isn't out yet is uh, an absolute disaster. Like, I don't know anyone who's going to want to come back a year after the game's been released to play the campaign. This one's kind of like missed the boat on that one. Exactly. It's a real shame. And I'm not, and I'm not sure how this battle royale mode is going to work either. Last Spartan standing, um, you know, a lot of Halo players didn't really want a battle royale in Infinite, and it's coming. So we'll have to see what 343 decided to do for this mode and and what makes it a battle royale and what doesn't, because it's not, you know, it's not called a traditional battle royale mode. It's battle royale esque, so there's going to be some elements of it, but maybe some unique elements as well. I'm not excited. I, I thought I was going to be returning to Halo Infinite on May 3rd, um, you know, with the crew that I was running through, Kyle and his cousins, but I, I just don't think this is enough to pull me back in. Not with other games that are out there and other games that I'm, you know, enjoying more. I've been putting a lot more time into Forbidden West again over the last few days, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. Nice, nice. As, as we'll see shortly, there is another game coming out on May 3rd that we should be playing because Sev's got it in his fantasy career. We should all be playing that instead of Halo. I think I will be. I think I will be. Let's talk about that. Moving on to the release date roundup, the game you're mentioning, Sev, coming out on May 3rd is Loot River. That game looks great on Game Pass as well. So I am looking forward to that. The PlayStation Plus three-tiered service releases on May 23rd. Another Sev game, Cal the Kangaroo, releases on May 27th. Sonic Origins releases on June 23rd. Arcade Again releases on July 5th. Another Sev game, Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series, releases on July 8th. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 releases on July 29th. Another Sev game, Digimon Survive, releases on July 29th as well. And then finally, Splatoon 3 releases on September 9th. A lot of good games with confirmed dates in that list. Yeah, there's a lot of Sev stuff in that list. 
Blue River, Kyle Coronado, and Daisy Rolls survive. Mate, it's all good. I'm liking this one. I'm obviously pumped for Xenoblade 3, Splatoon 3. Should be a good uh, a good quarter. I'm excited for these dates that got confirmed. And we don't have any delays this week, which is nice. So that'll bring us to the end of the Sean Waltman Lightning Round. This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. So if you know what that music means, it is time for the new release roulette. And we do have five games to talk about this week that are coming out. I'm excited for a few of these, actually. So let's start running down the list. Game number one, coming on Wednesday to PC, is Prehistoric Kingdom. Take control of limitless power in Prehistoric Kingdom to build, manage, and grow the ultimate zoo for extinct animals. I like zoo building games. I like Zoo Tycoon. I like that this game is taking elements of Jurassic World Evolution and Zoo Tycoon and putting them together. The graphics look pretty impressive. I didn't even know about this game until I put this list together. This looks cool. <laughs> uh, I've, I've not seen this game, but I'm definitely much more up for a zoo for extinct animals than hunting and extinct. Yeah, this game looks cool. This game looks cool. I might check it out eventually. Uh, game number two, coming on Thursday to PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. And remember, it will be playable via Xbox Game Pass. It is Bug Snacks, the Isle of Big Snacks. The Isle of Big Snacks is an expansion that can be accessed through the uh, during the story of Bug Snacks. The journalist joins Triffany, Chandelo, Floofty, and Shelda on an expedition to a previously unseen island off the coast of Snacktooth after it emerges from the ocean. Did you ever play the original Bug Snacks when it came out for the PS5? No, because I don't have PS5. That's yeah, right, because you PS4. suck. It did. It came to PS4 yeah, as well. there we go. There's, there's Brian's uh, one per episode of Self Sucks. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, but I am, <laughs> I am looking forward to um, it coming on Game Pass. I remember Kyle played the PS5 version and was a massive fan of it. I started it, but I never went back to it. Um, I don't know that I will jump in to the Isle of Big Snacks. I don't know if Bug Snacks is going to be a game that I return to, but it's super cool that it's finally coming to Game Pass. So did you finish it when you played it, or did you just dip it? I did not. I, I just dipped my toes and then got back out. Fair I didn't fair. stick around. I did not stick around, unfortunately. Didn't, didn't snack on many bugs, then? Nope, I didn't. But maybe one day. Maybe I'll return yeah. to it someday. Who knows? Game number three, coming on Thursday to PC and Nintendo Switch, it's Haiku the Robot. Delve into the depths of a mechanical world in this cute adventure exploration game. Explore and fight in a land full of corrupt robots and machinery, all while seeking answers to the mysteries around you. This looks like a really cute, fun Metroidvania, with a very interesting art style. I like this a lot. Okay, I'm completely not familiar this one. I think Kyle would get a kick out of this too, and uh, would be a good Switch game. There's a good chance I end up picking this up on the Switch at some point. It looks fun. It does. Game number four, coming on Thursday to PC, Xbox Series, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch, and it is also playable via Game Pass. It is Unsold. Take on the role of the Fallen Prince in Unsold, a stylish, fast-paced 2D action RPG. Fight your way through interactive environments and adrenaline-pumping encounters as you unravel the mysteries behind this world filled 
with the undead. I know you're excited for Unsold. Yes. Well, I mentioned we saw this in the New Game Expo. Or was that something else? But yes, we did see this. Um, I thought it was a sequel to Children More when they were first showing it. Uh, it does look not, similar. But yeah, yeah. And that game's absolutely fantastic. Um, and this game looks, looks absolutely great. Yep. There's a good chance that I actually install this on Thursday and check it out. I actually already pre-installed Trek to Yomi through Game Pass as well, because it's finally able to pre-download. So I, I put Trek to Yomi on the old, on the old Xbox yesterday as well. <laughs> I'm ready for that to come out too on May 5th. <laughs> uh, game number five coming on Friday to Nintendo Switch. It is Nintendo Switch Sports. Get moving with soccer, volleyball, bowling, tennis, badminton, and chambara, which is swordplay, using Joy-Con controllers. Controls are intuitive, so you can hit the court or lanes, field or arena, and get started. With controlled motions, you can curve your bowling ball, add spin to a tennis shot, or even use a Joy-Con with a leg strap accessory to kick the ball in a soccer shootout. Family and friends can join in on the fun on the same system or online. Plus, a seventh sport is planned to be added via a free update this fall, Golf. Are you excited about Nintendo Switch Sports? I am. I uh, I saved it on the Thunderdome and then proceeded to knock it out of the Thunderdome on the pretty much my next go. Um, I remember that. Yeah, um, I am enjoy. I am looking forward to this. Not really for the soccer or the chambara or the badminton, to be honest, but uh, some bowling, some tennis, and some golf when that eventually comes on death. Or, uh, I think I, this is a game that I'm going to have to pick up because I think it would be fun to play yeah. as a group, like all of us together. I think that would be a lot of fun. And I have a feeling that we're all going to get it. Like, I ha- I'm sure Dan's going to pick this up. I'm sure Kyle will end up with it. Sean's probably going to get it. You know Frank's going to buy it. Like, we're all going to end up with this game. Yeah, 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 definitely. Let's shout out to everybody to get it. And we'll see, uh, we'll see who, who becomes the best with their little Joy-Cons. Yep, who's the best Joy-Con sports guy? <laughs> Uh, ooh, this is tough. Let's see. Actually, no, it's not. Scoring the best this week is going to be probably Nintendo Switch Sports. Uh, scoring the lowest... I'm going to go with uh, Isle of Big Snacks. Scoring the lowest. Mm, it is really tough, actually. Do you know what? I'm going to go with uh, scoring the highest unsold. Okay. And then scoring the lowest... Hypey the Robot. Okay. I couldn't decide whether I wanted to pick Hikey the Robot or Nintendo Switch Sports. I have just looked up Hikey the Robot and it does look super cute. It like does. The art style is, is really nice. Uh, it's just a little developer, a little better game. You sometimes don't get great scores. Uh, so if it's got something, if it's got something interesting to add, then it should score well. But if it's just a run of the mill. Um, Metroidvania and it might score quite low but I think Unsold has a potential to uh, be really great so that's I do I'm too I do too and that's actually my pick of the week this week Unsold that's yeah, my pick of the week this week as well. yep I'm excited for that game I can't wait to check it out on Thursday it should be good uh, Sev, as we jump into the main discussion, I do want to recap the news that took place over the past week coming out of Activision Blizzard. They did reveal the newest expansion for World of Warcraft as well as the next uh, chapter of World of Warcraft Classic. So let's start there. Let's actually start with Wrath of the Lich King Classic. Uh, I'm going to read the release that Blizzard put out here and then we'll talk about it because otherwise I know you don't have a ton of things to say on Warcraft. I don't think you've ever played Warcraft. I know you can add some stuff into it. I sort of wish Kyle was here to talk about this um, with us, but he will be back on the show sometime soon. So let's run down this and we'll get his opinions when he does return. 
The heroes of the Alliance and Horde have fought against the evils in Kalimdor and the Eastern Kingdoms, against the demons of the Burning Legion and Outland, and against each other, unaware that an imminent threat was looming in the vast and icy continent of Northrend. The Lich King, Arthas Menethil, sits in the ominous ice-crowned citadel, scheming to claim the world as his own, a plan that threatens all life on Azeroth. Heroes of the Alliance and Horde must stand against the malevolent being who dares to declare himself the one true king of Azeroth and seeks to scour all life from the world. Later this year, you will again get to explore bone-chilling lands, storm ice-crowned citadel, and halt the Lich King's baleful efforts. Only the most stalwart can challenge the Lich King and end his reign of terror in this re-release of the 2008 expansion. Just like it shook up WoW during its original release, Wrath of the Lich King Classic will thrill both veterans and newcomers with a host of improved features and content to explore, such as the Grim Frozen North. Heroes will begin their journey in one of two zones in Northrend, the Borean Tundra or Howling Fjord, and adventure through some of the most epic vistas and beloved storylines in all of Warcraft before breaching the seat of the Lich King's power in Icecrown. Available to both factions and starting at level 55, Death Knights, World of Warcraft's first hero class, harness the powers of darkness to help combat the evil that threatens Azeroth. While Death Knights are limited to one per server and require a level 55 character on that server to create, in Wrath Classic, they are bypassing that requirement for a player's first Death Knight. Of course, we have the new profession inscription that was introduced in the expansion. This new profession allows players to scribe mystical glyphs that modify the properties of spells and abilities, and craft powerful trinkets and offhand items. Achievements are coming to WoW Classic, giving players new rewards for their exploits and accomplishments, since achievements were introduced in Wrath of the Lich King anyway. Dungeons and Raids relive seminal five-player dungeons like Asjul Narub and the Calling of Stratholm and lay siege to Noxramas as a 25 or 10-player raid, an update of its original iteration as a 40-player raid in pre-expansion World of Warcraft. And of course, it says included with existing World of Warcraft subscriptions. Additionally, they want to provide a better experience for our new and existing classic players with the following changes. They are giving a level 70 boost. The level cap will be increased to 80, and we're introducing a level 70 boost, so those who didn't play Burning Crusade Classic but wish to play Wrath with their friends or explore Northrend can do so right away. The boost will be available one per account and can be used on any class except for Death Knights. There is no Dungeon Finder. Players rediscovering Wrath of the Lich King Classic won't find the Looking for Dungeon feature originally added in Patch 3.3.5. We've heard from our Classic community that the importance of social bonds is a big part of what makes Classic their game of choice, and we agree, so the Dungeon Finder is not going to be here. Throughout Burning Crusade Classic, our PvP community has made it clear that they'd prefer the flexibility of raiding being personal rather than tied to a fixed team, so they are removing arena teams in Wrath Classic. And, in the years since the Barbershop was first added in Wrath, World of Warcraft has added additional customization options, including some that originally were only available as paid services. They're going to incorporate all of those improvements in Wrath Classic, rather than reverting to the authentic 2008 behavior. So I do want to talk about Wrath of the Lich King Classic here for just a second. 
Wrath of the Lich King was my favorite World of Warcraft expansion. It was the one that I played the most back in the day. It was the one that I raided in most back in the day. It was the one that got me into hardcore raiding at the time and and kind of solidified my role as a hardcore raider for the next few expansions in Warcraft. Part of me wants to play Wrath Classic. I really do. And I might. I might use the level 70 boost and just start out in Wrath. I might do that. I don't know what class I would probably boost. I'm not sure if I would follow the same formula that I did before. I played a Hunter throughout Wrath of the Lich King initially back in 2008 and all the way through up till Cataclysm came out. Um, I don't know if I would want to repeat that role and repeat that again or go for a different class. But I do think I might jump in and and mess around with Wrath Classic. I might subscribe again for a month or so and just mess around with it once it does come out. Do we have a... It's just coming later in 2022. We don't actually have a release date yet for, for Wrath Classic. But I probably will fire up the subscription at least for a month to see if I fall in love with Wrath all over again. And if I do, shit, I might stick with it, dude. I don't know. Like, I really liked Wrath of the Lich King back in the day, and I could have a lot of fun with it again. So we'll see. We will see. But that wasn't the only big news that came out of the presentation that Activision Blizzard had last week. Of course, the main meats and potatoes of this was everyone knew this was going to be the reveal of the next proper expansion to World of Warcraft as well. The ninth expansion, and it is called Dragonflight. So let's run down a summary of what Dragonflight is, and I'm just looking at Icy Veins now, icyveins.com. So Dragonflight is going to be released maybe sometime later this year or next year. Who knows? Uh, If it's next year, it'll probably be in the springtime, but if it's later this year, it'll probably be the fall. But right now, it doesn't have a release date. It says, Following a period of calamity for the world of Azeroth, long-forgotten forces are stirred in in the mythical Dragon Isles, the ancestral home of Dragonkind. As long-dormant forces begin to stir in their sacred homeland, the dragons of Azeroth, at times both allies and adversaries of the mortal races, call on the heroes of the Alliance and the Horde to help reckon with the looming threats and ancient mysteries on the verge of awakening. So these are, I don't know if you're familiar with any of the lore in Warcraft, but these are the dragon flights, like the red dragon flight, the blue dragon flight, the bronze dragon flight, the, like the, the black dragon flight, the green dragon flight. Like there's a ton of different colors of the dragon flight and they all did something different, right? So these are all of the dragon flight races more or less coming together and the story is kind of revolving around them. Which makes me think that I'm wondering internally, and and it's a discussion that Joe the Chode and I were having on Discord after this expansion was revealed. Part of me feels like the Dragonflight was being set up to like the end of the expansion or the end of World of Warcraft. Let me say that. Like I always felt like they would go back to the Dragonflight when Warcraft was coming to an end. And I'm wondering internally if that might be the feeling that Blizzard has with World of Warcraft right now. Obviously, Microsoft just bought Activision Blizzard earlier this year. This is the last expansion that Blizzard is developing under their leadership that they have now before they you know, go to Microsoft. And part of me feels like Microsoft will have better ideas and... and 
like, you know, push Blizzard to be better. So I feel like this could be the last proper expansion to World of Warcraft. And then once Microsoft gets a hold of things, they may push Blizzard into doing a proper sequel or just a new MMORPG in general and move on from World of Warcraft, especially especially if Dragonflight fails like all the other recent Warcraft expansions have. They've not been doing so hot the last two or three expansions. If Dragonflight fails, I fully expect something new after this one. Yeah, yeah. World of Warcraft, uh, quite obviously better. Uh, 2004, dude. 18 years this year. 18 years this year. To be honest, like, I'm, not, I'm not a World of Warcraft player, but Dragonflight doesn't play my, my most inspiring for a, a franchise. It's okay. It's not up there. You said the, the Dragonflights, they're all different colors. So if you have to, yes. be, a certain, you have to be a certain race to... Um, get a dragon or does your particular race dictate which dragon has no so here's how it works so let's let's see um let's go over the main expansion features so the new continent is the dragon isles journey to the new level cap of 70 and explore the primordial wonder and ancient secrets of the dragon isles across four new zones the roiling waking shores skyrim thing oh yeah sure yeah the Dragonborn. Frank, dun, dun, Frank won't mind. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, carry on reading. <laughs> the, ra- the Roiling Waking Shores, the vast Onarin Plains, the stark Azure Span, and ancient, ma- ancient Majestic Thaldrasus are the new zones that we're getting in the Dragon Isles. We have the, uh, the Drakthir, which is a new playable dragonkin race with two customizable forms. So this is how you play as a dragon. You basically can, can uh, basically, okay. you, you know, have a new race, a dragonkin race, and one of their forms looks like it has horns, and one of them actually looks like a fucking dragon. So, <laughs> in one form, they look nice. kind of like a human dragon, like a humanoid form, and in their other form, they are just like a, a full bipedal dragon walking on two feet. So that looks kind of cool, but I don't know how I feel on playing as a dragon yet. We have the new hero class called the Evoker, which uh, is for the Drakthir. It's a, a, like, you basically, I don't know how it works, but you are able to harness the power of a dragon. Uh, it, it's uh, spell casting. You're able to do DPS ranged or healing, if I'm not mistaken, with that with that class. Okay, so one looks like a dragon, one looks like a dragon. Can the dragon, yes. can, the dragon can, can they fly? I don't know. I don't they, know. They fly. They do. They do. No, they fly. Like the actual dragons themselves fly. Can you fly as a dragon when you are playing as one? I don't know. That actually would be cool if you can. They do have something in there called Dragon Riding, which is an all-new method of aerial movement that allows you to take to the skies atop a Dragon Isles Drake, which you will befriend in each of the four new zones as you level up. The Drake can be customized as you progress, collecting more appearance options and unlocking new abilities that will enable them to fly farther and faster. So I feel like because Blizzard always gets flack for not adding flying into the game right away players aren't going to be able to use their own mount it sounds like but it sounds like flying is going to be there from the start as you befriend these drakes in each zone and and are able to fly around on them so i don't know if you're able to fly as the new drakthir race again that would be sick if you could 
I don't think you can. Yeah. I think it's tied to these actual dragons that you ride around on. Well, then does that mean you can't be you can't be a dragon looking track fear and then ride a dragon? Get we get a dragon riding a dragon? I imagine you can. Okay, I like the idea of a dragon riding a dragon and then doing fetch fest like. Oh, <laughs> My chicken's <laughs> lost all his eggs. Please go find them. And it's a dragon sat on top of a dragon. You'll go <laughs> find like amazing. six eggs and go back. <laughs> Fucking amazing. <laughs> but I might be dying to play it if that's what it is. <laughs> They also are overhauling the talent system. It says talent trees have been completely overhauled in Dragonflight, allowing you to make creative and flavorful talent choices at every level without compromising your effectiveness, which is really cool. If you look at some of the screenshots of the talent trees that have been kind of shown off for this, it reminds me a lot of the way the talent trees looked in classic Warcraft. So that's a that's a promising feature, and, and that could actually be a positive for this expansion. I could see people actually really enjoying that. They're also overhauling the profession systems and the and the uh, the UI as well, uh, completely making it modern looking and overhauling that too. So, if they do all that and the expansion actually is fun to play, this could be good. I'm just not convinced yet it's going to be fun to play because again, every expansion always looks promising when they first reveal it, and then once we get in there, we realize it's just more of the same and it's not that fun. But that's a shame. Um, but as you said, if this is their last one, hopefully they can pull out something special just to leave the just to leave the World of Warcraft legacy on a good note. Move on to Every time something happens like this, though, whenever a new expansion gets announced, whenever something is on the pipeline and in the near future, I start feeling that pool, and I'm feeling that pool. I start feeling the urge to return. There is a chance. A very small chance, but there is a chance I fire my subscription back up and finish my leveling in whatever the expansion that's out. What the fuck is the newest expansion even called, dude? I don't even remember. Dragonflight. No, that's the one that's not out yet. What's the one that came out before it just recently? Um, uh, Fire of the Six Bringers or something. Not making up on an automatic. Fire of the Six Bringers. No, it was called Shadowlands. <laughs> Shadowlands released in November of 2020 and I think I made it to like this was the one that introduced the level squish I want to say I made it to like the second zone and I just stopped playing I never finished leveling my character in Shadowlands so there's a chance a small chance that I do that before Dragonflight comes out I don't know it depends on if I finish everything that I'm currently playing and I'm sitting there and have nothing else to play, I may. And I never thought I would say that, but I may. Because I want to jump into Dragonflight and see if it's fun. This might be the last chance for them for me. Yeah, I'll be interested to see, um, after all the stuff that happened with Activision Blizzard, um, how many people actually go back and you guys... Um, I think we all will. Not, not to call you out. Yeah, you think you all will. Okay. I think that's, that's just the nature of the beast. Like, the those of... Those of us that have been so deeply rooted in Blizzard lore and Blizzard games since, you know, even before World of Warcraft, right? Like myself, Sean, Kyle, we were massive fans of Warcraft, the the RTS. We we're massive fans of Diablo. We we're just fans of Blizzard and the storytelling and the characters. Like if something looks promising, I think we all return. Do we stick with it? That remains to be seen. But I think we all will give this a shot to see if it's worth checking out. I think we will. 
I think that's dirty to say because <laughs> I was, you know, I'm, I'm still very against the culture that Blizzard yeah, formulated yeah. in their studio with their employees. I'm very against that. I'm very against that. And I don't want to support that. But I know a lot of work is being done. And I know Microsoft is going to continue to address it after they are the parent owner. I also don't want to punish people that have come in and started working on things since, right? Like, not everybody is a bad egg, if that makes sense. Only yeah, certain yeah, eggs that. are bad. And a lot of them have been weeded out. A lot of them, actually all of them, from what I understand, are no longer with the company. Is Does, does something like that, does them weeding out the bad and, and trying to fix things and, like, finally addressing things, it took you so long. But I don't know if it's worth holding a grudge over either. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So I probably will give this a shot. I probably will be there when Dragonflight releases on the launch day. Like, I'll jump in like I always do every time an expansion comes out because that's what I do. But before then, I probably will fire it up. In the servers. Eh, sometimes. Sometimes. That's what I've heard. Everyone jumps in in the servers and falls everyone waits for hours. Sometimes. But I, I haven't had issues with that over the last few expansion releases. I've been pretty lucky. But sometimes it does happen. And if it does, it does. I mean, that's the, again, nature of the beast with an MMORPG. It happens. But there's a chance, again, there's a good chance I'm there when Dragonflight releases to at least check it out, see if it's fun. I'll probably start a Drakthir, see if it's fun playing a dragon. I'll check out the new class. If it hooks me, if I'm interested, maybe I stick with it. But if it's not, I have no issues bailing out at this point because I've already bailed out once before and I've almost gone, well, shit, it's been about a year and a half since I've played Warcraft. So it's been a while. Like, I know I can go now an extended period of time without playing this game. So I have no issues dropping it if it's not fun, but I will give it a chance. Just like I'll give Wrath of the Lich King Classic a chance when it comes out to see if I get peaked by my favorite expansion once again. Good chance I might. We'll see. We will see. We'll talk more about uh, Dragonflight and Wrath of the Lich King Classic when Kyle is back on the show. I do want to get his thoughts on these and, and see what he's thinking and if his line of thinking kind of falls into where mine is. So when he's back here in, in the next week or so, we will we will revisit this and see what he thinks on these. But Sev, you know what that music means. It is time to do a little kickstart my heart before we get on out of here. And this one I found for this week only has three days left to go. So by the time you're hearing this show, if it actually uploads when it's supposed to on Tuesday, it's likely coming to an end. If it uploads later than Tuesday, then it's likely already over. However, it's still worth pointing out. The name of this game is Toasty Ashes of Dusk. And it says, learn who you truly are. Stop the cataclysm and save your friends in this action RPG. And you know why I picked this just looking at it already. This looks incredible. I'm very intrigued by this. Right. Toasty Ashes of Dusk is an upcoming action adventure RPG starring an unlikely hero. Play as Marshall the Marshmallow Knight and stop an all-powerful evil to protect <laughs> the many friends you make in the magical world of Geldia. All the while, discover the truth of your own mysterious origins, such as why you're a talking marshmallow. It says Toasty is inspired by a wide range of adventure and RPG games, such as Link's Awakening and Majora's Mask, A Link to the Past, the original Pokemon games, and Final Fantasy VII. So there is a lot of, you know, games that I love that it's inspired by. 
and I can see a lot of inspiration in just the gifts from those games alone. You see in the first gift, like, um, there's a little clip, clip of combat done in a turn-based style, much like in Final Fantasy VII, but then there also seems to be um, him fighting in a different style, up against a big skeleton thing, he's up against a, a bear that puts him in a knapsack and stuff, chucks him around, and then his health bars in the top corner, which I will point out is a stick with marshmallows with on it. With marshmallows on it that looks incredible. Right, absolutely, yeah. Oh, great, great little idea. Good little um, art style. So let's tuck in and see what I've got. You know what else I like about that gift too? Before we move on, is the motorcycle elements. Like those, oh yeah, a bit like Road Rash. Yeah, it looks kind of like Road Rash. I don't know if he's fighting on the motorcycle or if they're just riding around, but I think that's cool presentation. That looks really neat. And of course, that GIF also shows like, you know, talking to townspeople and walking around in a very Link to the Past inspired setting. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about that. Let's take a look at the game. Welcome to the world of Geldia. Marshall's quest for identity and to fight evil will take them to all corners of this magical land. Shroomville. It all starts here. A town ravaged by industrialization and slimy monsters, the mayor enlists your help to clean up the town and put the goopy terrors to pasture. Docktown. This beautiful city by the sea has a real crime problem. Make your way through the bustling dockside shops in town square to stamp out the Guild of Thieves once and for all. Crumbleton. In the midst of the desert wastes lies a humble outpost besieged by a troublesome gang. Gear up for a motorcycle race, explore ancient ruins, and show up to the courtroom to face a massive pile of garbage. Er, I mean, the judge. Avarice City. Neon lights and the pulse of electric nightlife beats at the heart of Avarice City. Infiltrate the shady operations at the Takara Casino and take down the boss, or she'll make you disappear. And then it says many more areas coming to explore. So just based on the four that they kind of highlight there, I love the variety and the different cities that we'll get to interact with. This game looks really promising to me. Yeah, I think this is one of the, one of the better uh, Kickstarters you've come up with that I've been a part of. Um, a lot of, like Crumbleton, that's a great name for a desert, that's very funny. Uh, and, you know, it says in there, gear up for a motorcycle race. So we're gonna do the motorcycle race in there. Well, like the uh, the dock town is full of full of thieves, and then the shroom build is uh, is rabid by industrialization. Like that's a that's a good variety of what's on there. And it's not just um, it's not just like old fantasy tropes. Like we're not doing medieval kind of like that. It seems like it's uh, more sort modern of in our era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a in pizza place, right? Like there's a pizza place in in Avarice City and stuff. Like it's it's definitely more modern and somewhat even feels a bit like Earthbound in that regard. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, Let's talk about the gameplay. What makes Toasty stand out is a fun, tight gameplay with lots of interesting items and special abilities. The team has taken a lot of inspiration from games that they loved playing while growing up and built on them to make something new and refreshing. By combining traditional sword combat, peculiar items, marshmallow abilities, and alternative gameplay modes like racing, fishing, and more, Toasty is really something special. So there's a gif right underneath that that kind of is going through some different abilities you have, like the Fanturn, which is basically their version of a Lantern, the Trash Master, the Nabsack that you mentioned earlier, where you kind of put enemies into a bag. There's a lot of different unique yeah. takes that this game has that, uh, you know, some of the Zelda-like games did not. Like, you can actually put an enemy in a bag and use it to hold down a switch 
that you then go stand on the other switch and crush uh, a big boss yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's definitely using him as, as an item. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's neat. More items to discover later. Absolutely. Like, you're, and your marshmallow can actually, like, catch on fire, which makes him run faster, right? Before he turns <laughs> into, like, a, a crispy marshmallow. He can roll around. He can get squished <laughs> like marshmallows do to fit in small elements. Think, like, Minish Cap Zelda, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um... There's a lot of shit going on here, man. When you're on fire, you can run around and use it to light torches in dungeons. So this is kind of cool. This is kind of cool. A um, lot of different gameplay elements it talks about here. Stuff that we've already went over, like the motorcycle racing, the combat being turn-based at times, uh, interacting with individual characters. Um, it does say, as we scroll past all this, like the fire gifts and the, the not bad, not bad kid, the motorcycle bit. It does say at the bottom, a loving tribute to Mother slash Earthbank. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah there's definitely yeah that's the first time actually I, I didn't even see that so that might be the first time that I've seen Earthbound mentioned in this campaign so I'm definitely feeling the Earthbound inspirations as well so it's kind of cool to see them point that out yeah uh, underneath that let's take a look at the story it says storytelling takes a frontline role in Toasty the land of Geldia has lost its champion to an ancient evil now a new hero will rise to the occasion and take his first squishy steps to greatness Marshall, the young knight with no memory of their past, has a newfound sense of purpose. Protect the strange citizens of this land from the horrors of the mysterious force known as Larm. Or Yarm. Maybe it's a double L pronounced Yarm. Marshall will make a perilous journey across Geldia, seeking out the memories, gaining new allies, and exploring the very fabric of reality itself. And of course, Toasty is full of odd creatures and sentient animals and a talking television. So a ton of different uh, characters that we'll get to interact with as well. Um, art style looks impressive. Doesn't say who's doing the soundtrack, does it? Nope, I don't see that on there. So I'm curious who might be working on that and what it would sound like, but they don't have any previews yet, at least not that I see. But I tell you what, man, this game looks great. And I feel like this is one of the the better looking Kickstarter games in terms of the games that we all really enjoy that we've talked about for Kickstarter yeah. Heart in a while. And it's not that far away. Yeah, it's just that, no. I didn't hear you say when the release date was. When's the, when's the aim for a release date, Brian? I haven't actually yet. I was just looking at the tiers right now. Oh, okay. So <laughs> the cheapest cheapest way to get in is 20 US dollars to get a digital copy of the game, either on Steam, Switch, PlayStation, or Xbox when it comes out. And they're shooting for September 2023. So about a year and a half away. Okay. That's Which isn't terrible. Yeah, it's not terrible. Makes sense, right? It looks like the game is pretty far along. They're going to be polishing things up. They're going to be obviously adding stuff because the Kickstarter did do so well. They were initially looking at just $25,000 U.S. They're just now over $90,000 U.S. By the time this campaign closes in a few days, they might actually get to 100000 And they actually were able to unlock a significant amount of stretch goals as well. At 30000 they added a cheat code menu, which kind of reminds me of... Um, Tunic or uh, what was that other game? Uh, Infernax that had their own cheat codes oh, yeah, built yeah. into it that we that we've recently played. So that reminds me of that. At thirty five thousand, they added palette swaps and costumes, plus an expanded soundtrack. Forty thousand, they added additional quests and power ups. Forty five thousand is a new area. Uh, fifty thousand secret dungeons and more NPCs. Fifty five thousand a secret evil ending was unlocked. 60,000, a master quest mode, so I assume play the game in mirror mode. Uh, 65,000, even more epic final battle. 70,000, a toasty dating sim, so they added relationships into the game. 
80,000, they added a boss thrust mode. And if they get to 100,000 before the campaign ends, they will fully animate the cutscenes, which would be amazing. Yeah, that definitely be that definitely add a lot to uh, I agree. I agree. So yeah, like I mentioned, the cheapest way to get in, $20 to get a digital copy of the game when it comes out in September 2023. There is a $30 tier to get a digital soundtrack and art book. Um, Looking to see if there's a physical tier. Yep, there is. $60. A physical game. You get the physical copy of Toasty, either a Switch cartridge or on PC, plus a digital copy as well. So you're basically getting two copies of the game. A ton on top of like beta testing, the art book, the soundtrack, a sticker sheet, a keychain, and a postcard set. So that's not bad. That's not bad for a physical copy tier. Check this out. I think I, I actually, I don't think I'm going to pledge, but I promise you I will pick this up when it comes out. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pledge purely because it's already back. Same, so, same. It, yeah, does, it doesn't really need the help, but it's something that I'm very intrigued by and would love to play when it comes out on the Switch. This is a Switch game for me, 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, my PC won't run it, so yeah, it's definitely a Switch game for me. <laughs> nah, your PC would have to run this game. <laughs> it's not that. It's not that intensive. But yeah, no, I think this makes a, a perfect Switch game. So check it out. Kickstarter.com. The name of this game is Toasty Ashes of Dusk. But Seb, that is unfortunately going to bring us to the close of Max Level this week. I took the closing words last week. I gave us a nice Raven quote back from WCW Nitro in 1997. I want so you to take the right. closing words this week. Do you have some closing words for us? Okay, okay. My final words are, I don't have anything this week, but come back next week and maybe I'll thought of something. <laughs> This episode of the Max Level Podcast has been brought to you by RPGera.com. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review regardless of where you're listening. If you want more of us, check us out on YouTube and Twitch and make sure you're subscribed or following at both places with notifications on. Links to where we can be found on social media as well as to our Discord server and all other important information can be found in the show notes for this episode. 